0: This week on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. It's week 21, and we couldn't have planned it any better. Mark Matthews is looking for a National Lacrosse League scoring title and his fourth straight 100-plus point season. It's a big weekend for everybody in week 21, but maybe more importantly for the Colorado Mammoth. And we talk shorties this week on OTCB. Good lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner. At Off the Crossbar is the Twitter account, teddy.jenner. At gmail.com is the email. I would be remiss if we didn't start the show with thoughts and prayers to everybody in Toronto. Obviously, the horrific incident that happened in downtown Toronto on Monday, was something that nobody wants to see happen in our country or anywhere in the world, but especially close to home, where often in Canada we sometimes like to think that we are isolated from all the evil that's in the world. And unfortunately, that evil tends to spread itself throughout all societies and cultures. And Toronto was the latest victim and... Just again, we often say this when we talk of incidents like these, but there are no words. And other than sending thoughts and prayers to those that are affected and keeping everybody in our thoughts. It's kind of a helpless feeling at times. But as we saw with the city of Toronto getting behind the Toronto Maple Leafs, sport helps rebuild pain. Just like everybody involved with the Humboldt Broncos, getting back to some normalcy and getting back to things that have always brought smiles to our faces is one of the easiest and best ways to find recovery and to find solace. And it was an incredible scene in the ACC last night during that Maple Leafs game with everything that had been going on Uh, I'm sure it's going to be wild and crazy for the Raptors game on Wednesday. And then, of course, the Toronto Rock have a game Saturday away. But this affects them as well. Many of the players live downtown or work downtown. Their games are downtown. So Nick Rose will join us in a little bit on the show. Uh, Rosie, a longtime friend. uh, And one of the big reasons, Toronto's still alive. Because, well, it is absolutely insane in the National Lacrosse League East. If you've been living under a rock, you may not know that nobody is clinched. Nobody's been eliminated. To the final day this season will go, and I couldn't be happier. I think I asked for this on this very show a few weeks ago, and I said, please... Let this season come down to the very last game. And for the New England Black Wolves, it very much could. Which is a scary thought. And it will come full circle to the very first game of the year when New England and Georgia squared off deep in the heart of Georgia. They'll finish deep in the heart of Connecticut at the casino, Sunday afternoon. And I think there'll be a lot of people watching that game. There's going to be a lot of eyes on a lot of the games this weekend. As mentioned, Toronto Rock, they're in Colorado, take on the Colorado Mammoth. The GM of the Mammoth, Dan Carey, will be my other guest this week, there is so much going on in the East that sometimes we forget about the West. Um, jokingly, I know Ashley Tyson and Pat skipped over the NLL West during relax this past week. I get it. I understand. We've kind of been set for a while out here. We've been patiently waiting for the East to figure themselves out. But there's still mentally lots to go on in the West. Momentum, positive thoughts, good morale, all those things that will help a team go into the playoffs are going to be at stake this weekend out west. Calgary-Saskatchewan is going to be a fantastic lacrosse game. It has no bearing in the standings, but Saskatchewan wants to silence the run of the Roughnecks because they are playing some very good lacrosse right now. The Rush would like to get back on the winning side of things, go in to that bye week on a high note, waiting for the winner of the Mammoth and Roughnecks. The Roughnecks want to keep this role going. The Mammoth are desperate to stop their recent string of losses going back to the Rochester game. They've lost three straight. And so we'll talk to GM Dan Carey about the mood around his club the thought process with his team going into this final contest, and we'll talk some other things with him as well, as well with Nick Rose. But we obviously have to talk about what the heck is going on in the Eastern Division. And thank you to Evan Schemenauer, who is the smartest guy we all know right now because he's able to decipher all that's going on with the NLL playoffs, and he has done, once again, a fantastic job breaking it all down, making it in a very easy-to-understand formula, and if you could have seen me, I definitely threw up the air quotes around easy, because there is a lot that has to happen for many of the teams in the East to get in. New England really has the easiest path, and I remember last week I said it was Georgia, but that was before things happened last weekend and Toronto winning. If Toronto loses to Colorado, New England's in no matter what. Boom, done. But if Toronto wins and New England loses, they are completely out. It is one of the craziest scenarios I have ever seen, not just in the NLL, I don't think I've ever seen it where a team can either win a division or lose their playoff spot altogether with one game. There's been teams where, you know, it's if they win, they get the eighth seed or the last playoff berth or whatever it may be. That happens quite a bit. But never has it been a team can either win the division or can be completely knocked out of the playoffs on the bearing of one game. So if Toronto beats Colorado on Saturday night, New England goes into their game with Georgia with their entire season on the line. If they win, they have the number one seed in the East, a first-week bye, and then they play the winner of whoever's in the East final. Sorry, East semifinal. If they lose, golf clubs see you later. name me another sport where that has happened please because i would truly like to know the other scenarios for all of the other teams may not be as hit or miss like new england but they all are going to need help georgia again may be a little easier they just need a single win or a Toronto loss. Or a Rochester win over Buffalo. See, this is how crazy it seems. You think, okay, they just need one win. But they can get in so many other ways. It has been one of the best seasons I can remember in the National Cross League. What we went back to twenty fourteen where like the top three teams finished nine and seven and they had to come up with the three team tiebreaker back then. This is all five teams in the playoff hunt to the final game with a game and a half separating first from last. It is insane. And I love every minute of it. Other than Buffalo and Toronto, the other three teams in the East can finish one, two, three, or out. It's phenomenal. Every team has an opportunity to be in or out, and three of the five teams can still win the division. It's wonderful. And the Toronto Rock have been having to fight for their lives over the last few weeks to keep themselves in this hunt for a playoff berth. They needed to go on the road into Buffalo and steal a win from the Bandits on a very emotional Tucker out lymphoma night. And they came away with a 16-11 win. They broke their three-game losing streak. They needed to. They couldn't afford to go 4-0. If they did, they're done. They cannot afford to lose another game or they're done. Does that put a lot of pressure on them and Nick Rose? I don't think so. I think they like fighting for their lives. I think they would rather, obviously, be comfortably in a playoff spot, but we'll ask Nick Rose that right now. So earlier, I caught up with Nick, and we obviously started our conversation about his thoughts on the events that happened in downtown Toronto on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously pretty terrible. You you never want to see that happen anywhere in the world, but um, I, I was actually at a practice facility in Oakville, and kinda of read the news on Twitter and was a little shocked and uh yeah, it's scary to think uh that something like that can happen, uh if you're just walking down the street in in Toronto and um obviously thoughts are with the people involved there and and uh
2: the hopefully the person uh who who committed this crime gets what he deserves. Absolutely. Uh lacrosse is a way for us to forget about the craziness in the world. How excited are you for Saturday night in Denver and what is probably the biggest game, uh, in, in the rock season this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we were fortunate to keep our season alive in Buffalo this past weekend. And any chance you get to win a game and potentially get into the playoffs is a, is a great situation. So we're, uh, we're excited. We, we got practice here tonight and we know it's going to be a tough battle out in uh mile high, but, uh, we're going to prepare the best we can and uh, hopefully be ready for a good game.
2: You guys are already in playoff mode uh, for the past few weeks. Do you think that helps you going into this game where Colorado's kind of been uh, on the other end, knowing where they're, they've been at for the last few weeks and have been on a cruise control? Um, it's a Good question. I'm, I
1: can't say for sure. I mean, hopefully it helps us, but yeah. um, I, I do think that uh, we've kind of struggled times this year when we haven't been the more desperate team. So us to kind of be uh, on the other side of it and have no other option. It, it uh, hopefully will benefit us, but uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to
2: know for sure. You've had quite the season for yourself, uh, reaching a career high in minutes played, uh, if this if this game goes a little mm-hmm. bit longer, but do you, uh, do you enjoy being a full-time number one and getting all the minutes, or were you happy uh, in years past kind of alternating with B. Miller?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I think every year is different. I mean, this yeah. year, uh, this year I think the plan was kind of to give B some games, but he he was uh, a little banged up to start the year, and uh, just with how the season's gone, I mean, mm-hmm. they they've kind of rode with me, which obviously I'm appreciative, and I uh, try to embrace as best as I can. But uh, even the years when me and him were splitting, it was a great situation as well because uh, obviously a bit of a break does help, but um, but, yeah, he's a great goalie partner. He's a great teammate. So uh, he, he's been pushing me for years and hopefully vice versa. So, um, yeah, I, I'm happy with my season so far. But uh, hopefully uh,
2: I got a, quite a bit more to, to do so far this season. Absolutely. Everyone will will look to the Toronto Rock offense and the names going out that front door. But how reliant are you and the guys going out the back door and the success of your team
3: in these next couple games.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, we've been great out the back
1: door all year. I think, uh, we, we've kept a lot of teams, uh, right around that 10 goal mark, which, uh, which most nights is, uh, a recipe for success. I know, uh, I know kind of our offense has been up and down, but, mm-hmm. but they've been there when we needed it too. the last game in Buffalo. I mean, we, they got us a good lead and, uh, we on the back end we kind of <laughs> kind of went to sleep for a little bit and let Buffalo back in the game and then the offense uh, kind of gave us a decent lead again. So uh, they they they've been good when uh, when they're all going it's uh, pretty scary. So we're kind of hoping that the the desperation of the
2: situation we're in will kind of bring the best out of everybody. How good has your good buddy Chow and Rogers been this year? Because every every game it seems like he gets better and better and seems to be having more. Of an impact on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, he's really coming to his own this year. I think uh, maybe in his rookie year he was a little hesitant in transition and didn't kind of want to make mistakes. And this year he's just basically uh, been been a man all mm-hmm. over the floor. I, I I know I'm biased, but I'd have him up for defensive player of the year and transition player of the year in both yeah. categories because he's uh, he's been an animal. He's probably our best lockdown defender. Uh obviously in transition, there's no question what he's done as far as scoring goals and creating offense. So I think he's uh, quickly turned into one of the best players in the entire league. So uh, I've seen how hard he, he works. He was injured, obviously, in the summertime. And how he's came back uh, has been
2: pretty incredible to watch. Five points in in that win over Buffalo, including a hat trick, that, that really helped spark your team. And he's been putting the ball... Internet more than ever this year 27 points compared to only seven last year it's been impressive to watch but the other guy that i am just constantly impressed with he's been in the league for 17 seasons that's sandy chapman and the guy just has an endless tank of gas doesn't he
1: yeah I, i've been around chap for a while now and uh he's probably the one of the nicest guys uh you could find in in our league and the way he works when he's out there uh, is pretty incredible i don't i think uh I think other players kinda of underestimate him a little bit just because he's mm-hmm. a bit smaller but uh the, the you just can't make up for how hard he works and 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 his intelligence i i think he, if he wanted to be he could be a great uh, head coach in n o l when he's done but um he's been a great leader and a great worker for a long time, and uh
2: nothing's really changed for him this year. 2010 Defensive Player of the Year was Danny Chapman. And a guy, like you said, maybe goes under the radar a bit just from his size and and notoriety, but a guy that that puts it in every week. Um, Let's talk about Tom Schreiber and and your guys' offense. Obviously, there was that stretch of the year where you guys were putting up near 20 points, 20 goals a game, and everyone thought this was going to be an offense that was wiped out every night. But you guys ran into some injury problems. But where do you see this offense now? Is it back to where it was a, a couple months ago? Yeah, I think
1: um obviously without uh, Tommy, I mean he, like I think last time I was on your show I I said he was probably the best lacrosse player in the world and mm-hmm. uh if you're missing a, if you're missing a guy like that, uh obviously something's going to change a little bit. I mean, we we were struggling as a team when he was out and it, it wasn't just on the offense. Uh it just overall as a team, we just were a little snake bin and a couple of those losses, kind of, when he was out, like we we had decent leads and got comfortable and kind of let the team back in it, and and it bit us by the end of the game. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's great to have him back, and I think the offense is starting to look more like uh, the offense we we expect from them, and hopefully, uh, they just keep getting better and
2: uh, give us a chance to win this weekend, which I expect they will.
3: You going up
1: against
2: a, a pretty stingy defense in Denver, but also uh, an offense that can put the ball in that. What's the game plan and what's the mentality going in against a team that uh, you've only played, you played just uh, less than a month ago?
1: Yeah, I mean, that game in Toronto, they, uh, they're they a very sound team. I'm, I'm sure other teams have said that or other people have said that to you, but they're very sound. They don't make too many mistakes. I think that has a lot to do with their, their great coaches there. Um, and then, obviously, when you have a, a goalie like D Ward and the defense that they do, uh, it makes it tough on any team uh, playing them, and especially going into Colorado. It's a tough place to play with the crowd. So um, we expect it to be a good game, and uh, probably going to come down in the, the fourth quarter as as usual. And yeah, uh, yeah we're expecting our our, our plans kind of to match that as far as uh, making minimal mistakes and and uh, hopefully uh, it ends up in our favor. But uh, we we do know that we're in for a huge
2: challenge because they've, uh, they've had a great season and they're a good team, so
1: we have to be prepared.
2: Obviously, you guys have your destiny in your own favor, a win, and you give yourself life, a loss, and then that's the end of the season. Would you rather it that way? Would you rather control your own destiny, would you, or would you rather be in a comfortable spot right now? Um,
1: good question. I uh, I think... I think in the NLL, you you just want to get into that into the playoffs, yeah. and uh, um, I I think the position we're in is one that like you have to win to get into the playoffs, and we just haven't done a good job of that lately. And uh, for us to kind of do our job in Buffalo and give ourselves a chance to get in there after this weekend. Uh, uh, that that's the plan, but uh, yeah, you you have to be able to win games in, in the NOL Like you shouldn't have to, or you shouldn't be able to get get in a, in the back door. I guess is what I'm looking to say. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we're we're excited for the opportunity, but uh, we, we do know that that uh, we we need a bit of help, even if we do win. So uh, we that's something we can't control. So we're just going to worry
2: about uh, going out and playing hard, and when the chips fall where they do. He you talked about uh the style and the skill of Dylan Ward and, and yourself and Evan Kirk and D. Ward are all three Orangeville guys at the top of the goaltender standings most of the year. But when you look across the league, how impressed have you been with the play of young Christian Del Bianco? Yeah, I mean he's obviously been lights out in Calgary. He's he completely changed their
1: their season around to yeah. be quite honest with you. And uh um usually takes a little while for going to get going in the N O. L and uh I mean, maybe last year he, uh, I, I, I don't really know. I didn't follow their situation too closely, but I kind of knew that him and Frankie were both kind of pushing each other and, and, uh, fighting for that starting spot. And for him to kind of grab it by the reins this year, uh, I've been impressed with them. I, I saw it up close at the mental cup a couple of summers ago against, yeah. uh, against my Northman. And, um, he's obviously going to be a great goalie in our league for a long time. And, uh, I think Calgary should be uh, feeling very comfortable with him going forward, and I mean they, they're almost spoiled there with Frankie as well because Frankie's yeah, no very
2: goalie too. You mentioned you're, you're Northman. You're heavily involved in the junior program. Obviously, your focus is with the Rock right now. But with the summer season slowly approaching, uh, how are you biding your time between the two clubs? Um,
1: yeah, I mean I've uh, with, with the Rock. Like we practice uh, on Tuesday nights, and then obviously we travel on weekends. But um, I'm helping with the Bantam Northman, looking for the repeat uh, we we won gold last summer. Um, so we're uh, we've gone through our tryouts and whatnot, and then obviously with the June rays, I help as well in management, mm-hmm. and and uh, we've kind of just been doing training camp. Uh, I've been to m- as many practices as I can, just kind of watching the players and kind of helping the goalies and that kind of stuff, but. Uh it's going to be a busy summer again, but uh, I, w- I really wouldn't have it any other way. I, I enjoy being around the game, and especially uh, the Northmen, so it should be a lot of fun.
2: NFL draft this week, the Steelers going to make a splash?
1: Yeah, I don't know how that's going to go. I mean, I, uh, I definitely think we could use a bit of help on uh, defense, but... I think if uh, if he's there, I wouldn't mind the Steelers making a splash with Lamar Jackson and yeah, and trying to find a, a legitimate replacement for Big Ben once he's done because it doesn't seem like he's got a whole lot of time left. And I don't think what we have there right now is a suitable option after he's done. <laughs> so I wouldn't I wouldn't mind them getting Lamar Jackson, but we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. Are your leapers going to pull out a game seven against the Bruins? I think so. With the momentum now, I mean, down 3-1, making it a series again, I think uh, I think I like their chances. I mean, uh, they played pretty well the other night, and uh, if they can get the job done, then maybe there's no stopping them here.
0: There is. That's Nick Rose, goaltender for the Toronto Rock. Massive Toronto Leaf fan. Massive Pittsburgh Steelers fan. No hockey on Tuesday, so everybody is anxiously awaiting Game 7 Wednesday night between the Leafs and the Bruins. Just so happens on the same night, the Raptors are playing Game 5 against the Washington Wizards. Toronto FC is playing the second leg of their CONCACAF Champions League. And I believe the Jays are in a big series as well. There's tons going on in the Toronto sporting world right now that it's often not surprising that, unfortunately, the, the... Rock kind of get lost in all that. Meanwhile, in Colorado, the Nuggets never made the playoffs. Unfortunately, the Abs just lost. So they're now out trying to force a game seven. The Rockies are just slowly getting going, so not too far into it. Colorado Rapids, again, kind of just getting into the swing of things in the MLS. So the Mammoth are the big draw right now. And a huge couple of games coming up in Denver over the next couple of weeks. And I must admit, there is some worry in my heart about this Colorado team. Ever since that tough loss to Rochester back at the end of March, when they went Toronto-Rochester on back-to-back nights, and they lost late as Rochester was able to To climb back and steal that one. They've lost three straight now. And. Unfortunately their play for me. Has kind of digressed. Over the last few weeks. And I think part of that might be due to. After the Saskatchewan game. Their fate was settled. They were locked into the number two seed. And going into that game against New England. I think they had kind of taken a step back. And I just didn't see the passion. And the fire that I had seen. For most of the year. And that could be, and that can be acceptable if it truly was just one of those games where their minds weren't in it because they knew what's coming ahead. I can accept that, but they have to come out and prove me wrong or prove me right this weekend against Toronto. They'll have Stephen Keo back in the lineup. They'll put out their number one unit. And like I said last week, the the rosters you see this weekend, of that roster is going to be the exact same roster that starts in the playoffs for teams that make it. You want to make sure you're going in with your top guns ready. And so for Colorado, they have to get back to that roster and to that lineup that was heated up in the middle of the season and that was going on a run that had them at one point sitting with a 9-3 and record, and they were going blow for blow with Saskatchewan. Since then, they're 1-4. And I don't know if it's teams figuring them out. I don't know if it's just been tired legs. But there's just something, and maybe it's the loomingness of Calgary on May 5th. But I think this bye weekend has really helped the mammoth they've gotten away from things they've allowed bodies to heal and get healthy i know they've been watching a ton of tape i know they've been having team conversations but this is a group that needs to refocus and general manager dan carey has a tough task on his hand because again the game against toronto means nothing for the mammoth within the standings but it means everything for toronto so colorado has to make sure they come with the energy and match Toronto from the jump. Colorado plays Toronto very well. And they have over the last few seasons. They already beat them once this year by 4, 11 to 7 when they there was their last win was against Toronto. And so GM Dan Carey has got to get his team refocused. He's got to work with his head coach Pat Coyle, find a way to light a fire under these guys' asses and get them ready. For Saturday night because you might as well make it a playoff game. Because going into Calgary, having lost four straight with everything in the history between these two clubs. I think that's not a good sign. I think Colorado has to go into the playoffs on a winning note. So I spoke with the aforementioned general manager of the Colorado Mammoth, Dan Carey. He understands the pressure of the playoffs and what it takes to win it all. However, it's his first time as a general manager. So with everything that's been going on with his club over the last few weeks, I asked him where his confidence level in his group was heading into Saturday.
3: Personally, I'm confident in this group. And, you know, I think they've shown throughout the season that we're, you know, we're able to play with anybody in this league and, and, and succeed when we're at our best. And, you know, that can be, it's easy to, to say that now. Yeah, but when we put it together and we have everybody, everybody, you know, on the same page and clicking, we're a tough team to play against. So I'm definitely confident, but to me at this point, it matters more about our players and if they're confident. And, you know, over the last few weeks, we've, we haven't played our best and and things haven't gone our way. Um, And just the response that we've had from our players and staff and, you know, how positive we are and how we're looking forward to the playoffs. I'm encouraged. It's very encouraging
2: and I'm kind of excited to to see what we can do over the next few weeks. I appreciate the positivity and and the strong outlook, but is there parts of you that that is concerned about the way your group's been playing as of late?
3: Well, I would love for us to be going to the playoffs, you know, on a 5-16 winning streak and and continue that on. Absolutely. But, um, you know, the fact is we were, we're in second place in the, in the West. Um, we've played a lot of really good lacrosse this year and we've played some not so good lacrosse. So um, the biggest thing that, that we need to be concerned of is, you know, preparing this weekend, like it's a playoff game because it will be, you know, playing against Toronto with, uh, with them competing for a playoff spot and knowing that, uh, that, you know, we're not looking ahead. We got to prepare for this game as if it's a playoff game for us. And that's going to prepare us for the following weekend. So, um, you know what? I, I for me personally, how I look at things is, is I'm not going to get too excited or, or too disappointed to where we're at because we have an opportunity um, in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. as we all know, in any sport, you're uh, in the playoffs, anything can happen. And you know, for us to to come in and not play good lacrosse, it doesn't bode well for us, and, and it's not where we want to be. But at the same time, we have two weeks to, to figure that out and turn that around. And yeah. you know, if we if we play well over the next few weeks, then you know, you know what happens moving forward. So for me, I am one of those people that's that's optimistic, and if we still have an opportunity to to succeed, then um, you know it's something that excites me. Do
2: you think it's it's a bit of a mental thing for you guys, having known that they're they've been in that number two seed for for a few weeks now, that's allowed them to kind of not allowed them, but has has had them take that step back. Do you think it's it's that a simple of a solution?
3: It, it could be. Um, we, as a group, we've, we've kept talking about that. We shouldn't be thinking that way yeah. and it should give us extra motivation to, to play that much harder. Um, you know, it, it's sometimes, you know, the the unconscious mind and the conscious mind can, can, uh, can kind of play tricks and do different things that you're not really wanting to do. And, and maybe there is some of that that comes into play. Um, and even for us as a staff, we talk about, okay, well, you know, we don't want to be Letting off and and uh, and just be happy that we're in now. Um, so even yeah. us saying it, maybe maybe that plays a part into it. But the fact is, our guys are are competitors and they're they're professionals and they're really focused on uh, being prepared. You know, moving into the playoffs. So I think last weekend was a bit of a wake up call for us to 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 really kind of get things in line here. You know, for us moving forward.
2: You look up and down your roster, and it's been a season of personal highs for a lot of guys. Um, And with the addition of Ryan Van ash it's really obviously balanced out your offense. But what people may not realize is that Jeremy Noble is having a career year in all offensive stats. And that's really been a part of a benefit because of the way Benny's been playing on the other side of the floor.
3: Yeah. And that's the way that we looked at it is, you know, Jer was ready for that opportunity. and, And could he be playing better lacrosse? Absolutely. Does he have more to offer? I think, I think he does. Um, but you know, a guy like Ryan Benesch doesn't need the ball in his stick very, very long. And and he's he's a contributor with or without the ball. He does a lot of little things. Um, you know, no no player in this league is perfect. But those guys have have helped each other and helped overall. You know, our team succeed. So, you know, you give give a guy a little bit more opportunity with the ball, and he's gonna succeed, and you're gonna see his numbers go up. Um, but you know what? For our guys, I don't think they're they're too focused and too worried about that. They're they're looking at our end goal and, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're just, we're focused on the next few weeks. Um, you know, we, we have, we have uh, shown that, you know, we're capable of, of being elite elite, an elite team in this league and those players being elite players, but I don't mm. think they're satisfied where they're at now.
2: The competition between your group within that locker room is- and I see it firsthand when I'm at Street rounds. They do the lefty righty thing, and there's always that competition. How much does that play into the success of a lacrosse team to have you know friendly competitions within the group? I think it's
3: important. I think you know you compete offense defense in your in your drills, and then lefties righties, whatever it is. That that's important for for guys to grow as teammates and as individuals, because if you're not pushing yourself during those times, then it's going to be a lot tougher when you get to the game. So our guys, they push each other. They have fun with each other. You know, there's times where it's competitive. There's times where it's kind of laid back. Um, but for the most part, our guys kind of take pride in that. And, and if you're not doing that, to me, it's it's going to be, it's going to be tough when you get into the you know game situation where you're competing against other teams.
2: Obviously, everybody knows that expansion is around the corner. How do you look at your club having to prepare for that and know that, you know, in a couple months' time, you're going to have to pick 11 guys to be on your team guaranteed next year? How much of a tough decision is that every time you look at your roster?
3: Well, it's tough because we've kind of grown to love our guys, and and they invest a lot, so they mean a lot to us, and and you never want to see – you know, you don't ever want to lose players that you're fond of and, and that have been part of the, the organization, the family. So, mm-hmm. for me, I think about it all the time. You know, it's almost daily when I'm in, in the office. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the the expansion draft, and, and we're evaluating our guys and trying to figure out what's best for us moving forward. Um, you know, for us, I'm I'm not, you know, making any decisions now, but there's obviously players within this league that are uh, that are just – everybody knows they'll be protected and then there's those Mm -hmm. three guys that that you have to make those tough decisions on so we've got you know two or three four players that you're going to make the tough decision on those last couple of spots that you're going to protect um so for now we're focused on on the last regular season game and moving into playoffs um i've got time to to worry about that but it is something that that's on my mind and and on my whiteboard and you know things that we're you know as a staff we're talking about you know on a weekly sometimes daily basis
2: are you are you excited about expansion for the National Cross League and, and the plan that the commissioner has over the next say five ten years?
3: Absolutely. Since I've been in, in this league, I I haven't been this excited about um, you know the growth of the league and the potential that we have to to expand across North America. I think it's exciting and um, it's something that our players deserve, our owners deserve, and. and overall anybody who's involved in lacrosse has really wanted to see this type of growth and to me it's coming at a perfect time and they're really doing things the right way from a league perspective. They're they're focused on, you know, finding the right owners and the right markets and and to me it's it's something that everybody should be encouraged about and you're gonna see, you know, a lot more people really kinda grab onto to not only the N O L but to the sport lacrosse because of it.
2: With playoffs around the corner, obviously the focus is Toronto this week, but everybody um, will be talking about the upcoming game on the fifth with the Roughnecks. And everybody knows the past, as she these, te- these two teams in the playoffs. How do you get around that? Obviously, you know, it's looking ahead, but as a general manager, you know, you're going to have to find a way to make sure your team isn't thinking about the past and, and focused on the now, but that's always going to be lingering. So, what's going to be the biggest challenge getting your team ready for Calgary in two weeks?
3: Well, I think it's any game. You just prepare like like it's any game, and yeah. I don't buy into that too much. You know, whatever the record is, um, you know, for me, the first year as a GM, it's uh, I'm zero and zero for playoffs. There's, mm-hmm. We've got rookies in the team that have never won or lost a playoff game. We've we've got some guys in our team that uh, you know that have have made it through the first round every year because they've only played a year. So to me, I don't take much you know stock into that. We've got a tough Calgary team that we got to play against and prepare for. Um To me, whatever happened three, four, five, eight years ago, whatever it was i don't know how relevant that is to the guys in our locker room so um you know it's it's something that is important to us to succeed and to to you know to make sure that we're prepared as much as possible for that game, whoever we're playing so um you know it so happens to be Calgary this year, and mm-hmm. we're we're gonna prepare for them. Um, like we would any game and and it's obviously it's going to be very important to us so I don't take a lot of you know it's to me I don't look into that very often Um, I haven't been here long enough to say that (laughs) this is you know it's something that that affects me so I know our guys feel the same way it's it's just a playoff game that we that we have to prepare for and be ready to be our best and if we're not then we're going to be done if we are then I think we have a great chance of winning that game so Um, you know, we got a tough Calgary team to play against. That's how we're looking at it.
2: You have a fantastic captain in Robert Hope who took over for uh, Dan Coates during the offseason after he was injured. How impressed have you been with Hopey rising to the occasion and leading this group uh, and kind of making it his own?
3: Very impressed. And, like, no question that Hopey was going to be an unbelievable captain. Mm -hmm. Um, We still have you know, Dan Coates is still our captain and he's around a ton. I, he was he was in the office today and um he he's involved and, and the guys still go to him for, for a lot of things. Um so yeah. I think we're lucky to have two guys still that uh, one guy gets to wear it on the floor and the other guy um gets to contribute off the floor um, in that in that manner. So for us, you know, Hopi is just a he's unbelievable. I can't say enough about that guy and I've known him for a long time mm-hmm. from being from Peterborough and Um, kind of watched him grow up as as a young athlete and hockey lacrosse Um, so I can't say enough good things about Robert Hope and you know we we know how all of our players feel about him as well and guys have a ton of respect for him because of just the just the type of person he is and how he prepares and how much he cares to you know about this team and to succeed so he's he's a guy that we it was just kind of a no-brainer we knew that you know if Dan Coates is going to be you know, watching from the sidelines this year and not being able to be on the floor, then he was, you know, he's an easy
2: decision with that. With Coasey being around, how much does that help? Because, you know, I've seen him and he's watching film and and he's taking notes and he's talking to the guys during games, at practices. You mentioned how important it was to have him off the floor, but what do you think that's done for him as a player, knowing how much more he's going to learn, having to sit back and watch for a whole year?
3: I think the hardest thing for an athlete is to, to watch and not be able to compete. And he's, for me, I'm impressed with the way he's handled that. Um, you know, to know that you're, that you're not able to, to be out there and and put your body in the line for your teammates. It's not easy. And I know it's not easy for him. He's an ultimate competitor and, and team guy. Um, that being said, I think the next best thing, if you're not on the floor competing and getting better, um, you know from an athletic perspective is getting getting to understand the game um even more than he already does like he's a guy that is very very committed to to learning the you know the the film aspect and and just breaking down the game so he's already doing that before but i think this just kind of got him to another level is is looking at the game you know from a different light and and i think it's going to help him when he gets back um yeah mm-hmm you know, would we all love to see him on the floor. Absolutely. Uh, but I do think this is the next best thing for him in, in his development to, to be able to kind of look at it from a different view. And um, he does help our guys. He, you know, in practice, he's able to, um, to kind of be, you know, additional set of eyes and, and voice when Pat Coyle's, you know, on the floor coaching, he's a guy that can pull guys aside. Um, and a guy that guys can go to for, for questions that they have. So, He's been, you know, he's a guy that, you know, as soon as he was injured, he said, I want to, I still want to help and be a part of this team and do what I can to help us succeed. So, um, just kind of speaks volumes of the type of guy he is.
2: Before I let you go, um, as a fan, how crazy has it been for you to watch the East unfold? Oh, geez.
3: Like, it, I've never seen it like this, and everybody keeps saying that, but, um, you know, it's, again, we talk about the parity in our league and it's, it's right there. You know, when it comes down to the last weekend and, and every team, you know, could be in or out. It's, it's incredible. Um, so I, I'm just glad we we're not dealing with that. <laughs> I think uh, the stress levels get high enough now to worry about it, you know, come the last weekend, whether you're going to be hosting the, the weekend after or out of the playoffs is uh yeah, just kind of glad I'm not in that situation this year. <laughs> Absolutely. But not. no, I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strong, you know, division that every team, yeah. you know, we played played them all, and they're, it's it's competitive. They're tough teams to play against. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out this weekend.
0: There is the general manager of the Colorado Mammoth, Dan Carey. Even he's excited and surprised and excited about what's going on in the East. I can say excited twice. That's just how good it is. Truly, though, as a fan, if you sit back and can take all the biasness out of what's going on, you have to thoroughly be impressed and enthralled with how this is all going to break down. It truly only would be better if all the East teams are playing each other and every game was, like, do or die. But I guess we can't be too greedy. We've got all five teams alive going into the final weekend. Call it parity. Call it balanced scheduling. Call it what you will. It's fantastic for the National Lacrosse League. It's unfortunate the West wasn't as competitive down to the final day. But I think the West is just going to be ramping up for this postseason. And Calgary's playing at a new level that we haven't seen from them right a lot this year. Saskatchewan, we know, is a very talented and deep team on both sides of the ball. They are going to be very tough to beat at home. The only saving grace for some teams going into Saskatchewan for that West Final, whether it be Calgary or Colorado, is that the game's on a Thursday. And that can change a lot. It may not seem like a big deal, but it very well could change the dynamic of that game. Why? Well, what if people can't get the work off? I'm sure both Colorado and Calgary players are under the impression from their coaching staffs and management to say, hey, if you've got a Monday to Friday, you better be booking that time off and looking to book it off now. Because if it comes May 1st and you haven't done it yet, then you're not going to be able to get it off. That could truly change a whole game plan for a team. So I don't think anybody will have an issue, but Thursday games can be completely different just like Sunday games. You never really know what you're going to get from teams when they play on a Thursday or Sunday. It's just not natural. It's not a normal feeling. When you're playing Sundays in Maple Ridge, it just doesn't feel normal. Now, that could be the lighting, nonetheless. I hope you're as excited for these games this weekend uh, as I am, because, like I said, it's just we haven't seen anything like this in so long that I think many might be taking it for granted. Because how often does it come down this far? Usually, you know, there's three of four fighting. Or if all three are already settled, you're still trying to figure out seedings. Because five teams, it's tough to go this deep and not have at least somebody clinched or eliminated. So let's see here. How's it going to all break down? Vancouver at Georgia, stealth, got love for you. I just don't see it happening. Georgia wins that one, going away. With the win, Georgia clinches a playoff berth. They're in. Now, if they want to win the division, they got to get two wins. Or beat New England and have Buffalo beat Rochester. I think they're getting in. I think the game against New England will be the one they're really going to rely on. But New England, in my opinion, finishes no worse than second. No worse than second for the New England Black Wolves. Rochester at Buffalo. What a juicy, juicy game this is going to be. Buffalo, this is a team I truly do feel badly for because they can be knocked out so many ways. Most importantly, they have to find a way to beat Rochester. And that's not always an easy thing to do. The Bandits and Nighthawks played three times this year. The Bandits won the middle game of the three. Rochester won the two games, 21-11 and 17-10, the game that Buffalo won a 16-14 win in Rochester. However, I just don't have enough faith in the Bandits' goaltending to outlast Rochester in this contest. It's not an easy spot for Buffalo. Rochester, they beat Buffalo. They are in the playoffs. If they lose and Georgia wins either of their two games, they're eliminated from the playoffs. In and amongst that, anything can happen. I like the Nighthawks to win on the road. It's not easy, but I think they go into Buffalo and take it. And then we all really can just settle in and get set for Georgia and New England. We all know I'm picking Colorado over Toronto, which would eliminate the Toronto Rock from the playoffs. I'm sorry to all my Rock friends out there. Just not going to happen. So with Toronto losing, that leaves four teams to battle it out for three spots. But with all my mathematician skills and my scenarios that I think are going to happen, here's how we go. Georgia wins them both. They finish 11-7. Rochester beats Buffalo, finishes 10-8. and eight. New England loses, finishes nine and nine. Buffalo and Toronto lose; they finish eight and ten. Georgia, the number one seed in the East, New England travels to Rochester to take on the Nighthawks. Nighthawks beat the Black Wolves, Nighthawks, and Swarm in the East final, deep in the heart of Georgia. And I like the Nighthawks, I really do. Out west, I'm gonna wait. I am going to wait for my West. I have to see what happens this weekend between everybody. And who knows? By next weekend, my Eastern prediction could be way off as well. So that's kind of looking ahead and looking back at everything that's happened. But I want to focus on one thing from this past weekend. And that was shorthanded goals. And if you happen to watch any of the three games, in two of the games, you heard the same phrase. That's two shorthanded goals on the same penalty. Now, that doesn't happen too often, but it does happen. But in three games, there were nine shorthanded goals scored. Don't believe me? Here they are.
4: Middle, and that one is picked off. It was intended for Shanks. Here comes Bombary, the shot he scores, and Adam Bombary, the bouncer, and the shorthanded marker, it is 7-4, New England. Lops it across midfield. Three on one break the other way, he scored. Another shorthanded goal for New England. The
0: Bandits out, transition, nobody home. Shorthanded goal, and it's in. Challen Come. Rogers again, his second transition goal. Hellier getting greedy, and another shorthanded goal. Rob Hellier. And Toronto's got two shorthanded goals on this five-minute
4: major. Dixon trying to create his own shot. He's got Berg wide open. I think he stepped on the line and does badly want to challenge this one as everybody started to bail out thinking the shot clock was going to expire. But Westberg just parked himself on top of the crease and the Iceman sticks it home. Somebody's lost a helmet down there. And Martel finds the back of the goal to make it a three. A second shorthanded goal in the same penalty. McIntosh has it. Look up ahead. Oh, Mitch Wilde couldn't bring it in one-handed. Belanger comes out of the goal. He's being battled there by Wilde and turns and shoots and scores. Here's Corey Small. Shoots quickly, scores. Scars. Goal for Corey Small. Vancouver back within five at 12-7. That's a shorty for the Stealth. Five years here in Vancouver, they've missed the playoffs four times. And there's Dixon slipping one through the wickets of Eric Penny. And just something needs to change here in Vancouver to get this franchise to where it needs to go. Here's Seth Oaks and his first
0: as a member of the Vancouver Stealth. Seth Oaks' goal made it nine on the weekend bringing our total in the National Lacrosse League up to a rousing 85 shorthanded goals by National Lacrosse League teams. Calgary has the most at 14. Vancouver has given up the most at 16. Now, why are we talking about this? Well, momentum. And when you can find any sort of momentum in any facet of the game, you will take it as a lacrosse club. And oftentimes, people think momentum will be a big hit, a fight, a big goal. Well, there is no bigger goal a team can score than a shorthanded goal. It deflates the opponent. It crushes a power play. It livens up the home crowd. And it really energizes a bench when they can see their D guys or their raggers put in that extra effort to find that shorthanded goal. And with a shot clock running in the National Lacrosse League, it can be a two-way street. It can lead to more gold because teams are more up to go to the net because they have to get a shot off in 30 seconds or – you might see less shorthanded goals because defenses will just sit back and let a team kill 30 seconds and then try to get the ball back. Depending on what your school of thought is, because I know there are some people that prefer a shot clock to run, and there are other people who prefer the summer rules where shot clocks don't run. Personally, I always, I was a ragger. I was a guy that they gave the ball to and said, just run around and kill as much time as you can, up and down on the sides, keep the ball hot, keep your feet moving, do what you do best. And I was pumped up by the fans because whenever you would go and do a couple laps and you'd spin through some defenders and you'd kill 10, 15, 20 seconds off, you can hear the crowd cheering and you can feel it deep in your soul, the energy that's reverberating through your body when you're killing a penalty. There aren't too many more cool feelings than that when I played the game of lacrosse. That was one of my favorites. And now, when you have a shot clock, it completely changes the mentality. You have to go to the net or just waste time. There's no truly killing a penalty other than for a brief 30 seconds, if that, depending on when you get up across the timeline, depending on when you turn the ball over or when you just throw it in the corner. So when your team is able to either through a fast break off a goalie pass and a loose ball or in a settled short man raggers unit, whenever you can get that goal, it is a huge momentum boost for your club. And Calgary had three the other night, two of them on a two-minute minor. Toronto had a pair, two of them on a five-minute major. And look how well those teams were able to use that momentum going forward. It's crazy to see and watch the different styles of teams. Because you truly will see teams that will just put out four guys and let them sit on a ball throw it in the corner, give their D a rest, and come off the floor. Whereas a team like Calgary loves to go to the net when they're shorthanded. And you can see it with guys like Dixon and Berg and Dobie and Katoni and all those guys. They have the green light. And oftentimes you'll see defenses sit a guy back and they won't double the ball because when they double, guys like Dixon are able to burn them leading to shorthanded chances. So when you sit a guy back, it often dissuades teams from going one-on-one or one-on-two to the net. However, Curtis Dixon can shoot the lights out from anywhere. And he'll shoot around screens. He'll shoot late in 30s. So will many of the other top shorthanded guys in this league. So you have to wonder, what's the best for my club? Well, for some teams, it's goalie dependent. If their goalie would rather see you double the ball and put some pressure and try to get that ball back because they feel confident in their game, sure. Maybe if a goalie's not feeling it as well, maybe he's struggling, they may not double the ball because they don't want to leave their goaltenders hung out to dry. So when you're watching the games this weekend and moving on into the playoffs, pay attention to the short man teams. Pay attention to the Raggers because somehow over two games, Toronto has gone one for, I think, 15, 14 or 15 in their last four games, but somehow have only given up two shorthanded goals. When you are holding a power play without a goal, that's always a bonus. You can absolutely bury the spirit of a power play unit if you not only hold them to no goals, but if you're able to bury a few on them as well. So pay a little attention to the often forgot raggers on your lacrosse club because not only do they often take beatings, they will often score big goals that can lift a team to great heights. And going into the final weekend of the season, moving on into the playoffs, power play, short man, penalty kill, raggers, all those special team units become that much more important to team success when you are in one-game playoffs. From here on out, it's one-game playoffs all the way to the Champions Cup final. So make sure your special teams are sharp and ready And let's have some fun. A couple housekeeping things before we get out of here. National Lacrosse League announced their combine schedules. And yes, combines, plural. Why? Well, because for the first time, they're actually going to have multiple combine events. Starting July 8th, they will have five in Dallas, Texas. San Diego, Langley, Voorhees, New Jersey, and at the track in Oakville. It's going to consist of a full day of fitness and lacrosse testing, a practice run by coaching staffs, and a game played by NLL rules. It's an opportunity for GMs to meet possible draftees and free agents. And I think that it is going to be an opportunity for more players to get looked at because it's not always easy. For players to get up to the Combine at the track when it's usually held in September. So if you want to get your name on a list, head over to NLL.com. You can find uh, the article there. Uh, 240 bucks is the registration fee for anybody who wants to get in. And with expansion coming, I think there'll be a lot more eyes on things and a lot more players Wanting to get their shot and give the National Lacrosse League a try, let's hope that as they do this more, there's less overlap between the NLL and MLL, so we can have more players out there playing their game. Um, while I'm looking at nll.com, the National Lacrosse League Twitter game of the week this week could be a very big one, as they all are this weekend. But it'll be the final game of the year, Georgia at New England, and just to refresh all your memories, the two teams are 1-1 one one on the season. December 8th, the first game of the year, New England knocked off Georgia 13-10. And then March 24th, Georgia got the redemption 17-12. That game was in Georgia, so back to the casino they go. And that is where the Twitter game of the week We'll air from one final thing. And this is not a personal story, but I guess it is. And it relates to how we treat athletes and especially many of us that are involved in coaching, especially at the minor age, dealing with kids. So this year I've gotten back with the Juan de Fuca Lacrosse Association and I'm coaching uh, the Midget A1s. It's a group of kids that I had four years ago uh, through Pee Wee. I coached a group of them in A2 the first year, and then most of that group graduated to the A1 team. We went to provincials. We won a gold medal, and then I stopped coaching. This year, the parent group has has asked me to come back um, to help the kids in their final year of minor uh, because now next year, it's now a five-year junior program, so they'll move to junior. But I kind of felt um, a weakness in my heart for these kids, so I said, yes, I'll come back. But now they're 15 and 16-year-olds, and they're in high school, and they're driving, and they have cars, and they're full-on raging hormone kids now. But we also have to understand that these kids go through as many life pressures as we all did when we were young. And so the other day at practice, I had one of the moms come up to me and said, you know, that her son had been going through some things and he wasn't having a good day. He really wants to be at practice, but he forgot his arm pads at school. He didn't have the stick that he wanted. And he was in the car just having a breakdown. So I said, you know what? We'll get him pads. We'll get him all the things that he needs. Just, you know, we'll we'll say he had bad allergies. That's why his eyes were puffy. Let's just get him out on the floor. And so he did. And I give him so much credit For swallowing what was bothering him. Putting the pads on and coming out onto the floor. But the message in this that I gave him was. And it kind of relates to what we talked about at the start of the show. When there is pain inside, sport can help alleviate that pain. And I could see it in this young man's eyes as he came onto the floor. His eyes were were swelled up. He could hardly look me in the eyes. And I just gave him a big hug, and I patted him on the helmet. I said, hey, you know what? We're out here just having fun. That's why we play the game, to come and have fun. Let's joke around. Let's rip some shots. Let's joke around. Let's, let's forget about everything else. And let's just have fun for the next hour and a half. And by the time practice was over, you could see that all the things that he had worried about had kind of faded away. And so if you are coaching, and I implore so many of you players and ex-players and dads, even the moms out there, get involved. But if you are a parent of a kid or you're coaching these kids, understand that there is a lot going on in these kids' lives, from bullying to peer pressure to grades to trying to get scholarships to social media Everything, it weighs on these kids. And so notice if they're down and maybe not themselves. Don't pressure them to get back to where you think they should be. Just sit them down and have a conversation. Figure out what's bothering them. Don't try to fix it. Just be there for them. Give them a hug. Tell them it's going to be okay. Put a stick in their hand. And go have some fun. Lacrosse shouldn't be a job that stresses you out. It should be something that you love to do and you enjoy doing every time you step foot on a floor. And I know when all the fellas step on the floor this weekend, they'll be out there knowing they have a job to do, but understanding how lucky they are to be in the position that they are in. Because they've had to go through the tough times. So, keep spirits high. Help your friends. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. And know that the game of lacrosse and sport will heal what hurts inside. Thanks to Nick Rose. And thank you to Dan Carey for stopping by. And, of course, as always, thank you. To you, the avid listener, for listening to us here on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, and iTunes. My name is Teddy Jenner. At Off the Crossbar is the Twitter handle. Or you can find me on the emails, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. It is summer on the West Coast. It was 23 degrees. I'm going to go back outside and enjoy the sun. We'll see you in Denver on Saturday if you're there. If not, get to a game. Enjoy it all on NLL TV and Twitter. Next up's the playoffs, baby. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other.